and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Well, today, guys, uh, we're going to talk about hard things. We're going to, we're going to, we might get a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. I like to just like make you guys a little bit uncomfortable, I think. But it, it goes along with what I'm going to be talking about. Hard things. Um, I got a little slideshow. No, it, are we able to put the slides up? Or, or Mark? I forget. We got like a nice team back there. Hard times. Anybody know that song? Hard times. It's a Paramore song? Yeah, okay. No. Um, okay. So hard things. Hard things, difficult things, challenging things, things we don't like to kind of face sometimes. But I want to talk about this because I have found that the things in life that are most valuable or really matter often are the hardest things. Have you guys found this to kind of be true in a way? Like the most challenging, right? And, and I'm just curious, like, why that is? Why does it have to be hard? Right? Why, why, what is it about this formula of hard plus time plus more hardness equals value and eternity gold and things that don't get burnt up in fire <laughs> and stuff? Um, but I, I want to I hear from you guys a little bit. If you want to hit the next slide, Mark, that would be sweet. I want to ask the question, what are some hard things that you do? What are some hard things challenging things that that you guys do that you would consider pretty hard no judgment here i mean for me rather the bat parenting it's the hardest thing ever <laughs> thank god for a vulnerability culture where i can say that but you guys know i love my kids the most but they are the most to me they're everything to me but they are the hardest um it is parenting like exposes you to all kinds of triggers and things that are in there that you're just like, where did this come from? And they'll just be like, found it, found it, found it, found it. And you're just like, Jesus, <laughs> help me be loved. Help me be a good, good mother. Um, what about you guys? Come on, talk to me. What's something that's hard? Ooh, keeping relationships with adult children. Any, any of you parents of adult children? Is it challenging? Like adult children, it's a whole other phase, right? Just we'll just say parenting all ages, <laughs> but yeah, especially pro- I can imagine as adults, is it is it more like just the different opinions or just keeping in touch or oh they they talk back and start pointing out your mistakes from back then? Ooh, crap! <laughs> oh no, <sighs> that's okay. Thank you. Ooh, that's sobering. All right, Janine, what do you got? Allowing them to make their own mistakes, right? Yes. Oh, I hear that one. We're going we're gonna to talk more about that in a, in a little while. What? It's easier when they're younger. It gets harder when they're older. Oh, geez. Oh, different opinions and different beliefs. And like trying to have relationship with people who have that or just hearing other opinions and other beliefs. Oh, one of your sons. Yeah. Uh, that's very, unfortunately, with like... Political climate. I don't want to assume it's okay. It is politics. Okay. Well, there you go. I freaking hate the political spirit, man. And don't just think it's in politics. It sneaks in other places too. I'm talking about a spiritual principality. And what it is, is the us versus them. 
It is, it is separation that there is an other and that we, that you are a part of this, this, and that's them. And that's not kingdom, right? It's not kingdom, right? And it, and it hurts when that gets in the way, when just opinions or uh, beliefs that are different, because we're all in process, right? We're all trying to figure things out and have our own story and our own reasons. And we could just have grace and, and remember that, you know, we're family, right? Especially this huge. So, well, yeah, politics, man, that's, that's rough. Elderly communities being taken advantage of technological advancements that some man, manipulate on those that, uh, that just uh, aren't up to speed with things or whatever, because it is so fast paced and it's hard to filter and it's just wolves in sheep's clothing. So it's like, and especially if you kind of believe the best in people and you want to, you don't think people want to scam you or harm you, but having that wisdom and the Holy Spirit, like being sensitive to what that check in your heart and, and being able to intercept, that's great. Go ahead, Janine. Ooh, surrender and obedience to God. Yeah, that is, ooh, what's challenging about that? Ooh, if you believed a lie and then you like surrender to the lie or, or you're like believing something and then you have to like let it go. All of the, yes, I would agree. All of those things are very difficult. (laughs) Oh man, these are really good things, you guys. Some other things I thought about was like work, the grind of just needing to provide. I don't know if you guys pay attention to the market right now or like to the economy a little bit, but it's like pandemic, post-pandemic, like recalibration. It's, it's a whirlwind right now, especially for those trying to buy homes, trying to start that phase of life and, and everything. I'm, I'm like, you know, cl- that's close to, to home for me. Um, but it, it's hard. Like, I think almost gone are the days of single income families. Uh, millennials, my generation, we really are required at least, if not, and Gen X, is it the ones just above us? Um, we're required to have both mothers and fathers work while raising families. It is, woo, life is expensive. Work can be, that's hard, right? Um, relationships, we were kind of talking about that with like within parenting and stuff, but even just like friendships and, and, um, trying to make new ones or trying to maintain ones, sometimes different personalities, right? right? Like those can be, those can be hard, but worth it, right? Um, yeah, any kind of like creative endeavors to passions in your heart that you know you're called to, but something about starting them, pursuing them can feel very hard. Yeah, anyone feel that, right? Yeah, that's a very common one. And then... um even just, well, for me, some of you guys like love health and fitness, but working out in general is supposed to be challenging, right? That's part of it. It's the friction of like building muscle is hard, uh, but rewarding, right? And then also like just some real sobering things, like when there's grief, when there's tragedy, when there's a shock to our paradigm of, of life and, and, and things, that's, that's very hard, right? Because those tragic interruptions, those are very hard, right? But I want to talk, let's, I want to read a bunch of scripture here. Let's go to the next slide, Mark. Um, Because the Bible has a lot to say about hard things. And I'm just going to, this is a fraction of verses 
But I'm just going to read these to you guys. Um, and let's see what, what scripture says about some hard things. Okay. So first Peter one, six through seven in this, you greatly rejoice though. Now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being made more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it joy when you fall into various trials. We all know this one, yeah? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, sure. Let's turn that joy dial on. That's how easy it works, Lord. Um, sorry, he knows I'm sarcastic. He's, he can handle me. Um, okay, James 1 at 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to, promised to them who he loves. First Peter 4.12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't think it's strange when it gets hard. First Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when, not if, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Romans 5, 3 uh, through 5. We also glory in suffering. Okay. Because we know, this is what we know, that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. It does not disappoint because God loves his, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall troubles, shall hardship, any trouble, wait, um, shall trouble, shall hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Second Corinthians one, three through four, praise God who comforts us in all troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves first receive from God. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Galatians six, nine, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Yeah, and then there's also the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. That has a lot to do with some hard things. <laughs> that Love, uh, and then even First um, Corinthians uh, 13. What's the first description of love? Love is patient or long-suffering suffers long and is kind also all of psalms all of psalms is hard things (laughs) okay (laughs) so needless to say scripture says a lot about trials tribulations hard times needing to be strengthened from the lord and 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 hard times are literally a promise from god ever thought of it that way Hard times are a promise from God. 
Because scripture does not advocate escape from a trial, but empowerment to go through it, right? Christ is with us, the hope and glory, right? It is his withness that is the, the, the ringing hope, the ringing light through any hard thing. It's not the fact that something's hard. It is the fact that he is with us no matter what. The highs, the lows, whatever the situation. He cannot be separated from us. He chose to be with us. So it's interesting because it doesn't always feel that way, right? When you're going through a hard thing, what's a common, what's a common feeling you can feel? Hopeless, frustration, these don't sound like fruits of the spirit, right? Anger, yeah, depression, sadness, anxiety, fear, loneliness. Yeah, all of these things in hard times, right? These are real emotions. These are... These are valid experiences. Can I just say that right now? Frustration, anger, anxiety, depression, loneliness, shame. These are not, these are hard things, but they are not wrong things, right? But the hope is, the, the empowering ability to still have those feelings is to know that you are not alone in them, right? That you can be simultaneously angry at God, angry at your situation, and God's right there angry with you. Not angry at you, but like feel like with you in anger. Like he can empathize. Our God is is emotion. He is empathy. He is he is all those beautiful things. And part of what makes emotions beautiful is the dips and grooves, right? Is the ups and the downs. It's the texture of life. But yes, often it can feel like when we go through trials that it isn't in fact a a promise of God, but a test from God. <laughs> and that he's trying to see how much, uh, yeah, he's just, it feels like he's distant. I mean, like I said, all of Psalms kind of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, speaks on to this, right? Uh, especially David, he a lot of his process has is going down and then swinging up. Almost every psalm, not every, a lot of the psalms can start in a very dark and dreary and sad place. But God, always by the end of a psalm, he gets there. There is there is redemption, and he remembers who his God is, and and so. Psalms is, is an incredible tool I have found when going through hard times because it allows you to process that, that hard emotion and then remember who God is. It's funny, we can sometimes, when something is hard, it's, I think it's easier to demonize it, right? We can call it the spirit of oppression or like spiritual attack. You know, we can, it can often make us feel like when something gets hard, we'll think we lost connection with God and now you're getting attacked by the enemy. Anyone have that sensation sometimes? 
right? When something gets hard, something tragic happens, something uh, like doesn't, you, you get rejected from work, you lose your job, whatever, something hard happens in life, like really hard. And it's like, and it, we can demonize it. Now, I, I'm, I'm skirting a line here. I'm skirting a line here. So I just want to make sure that when we don't disqualify hard things all the time and, and, and call them demons, when they are, the, in a way, the kindness of God raising us up to endure, raising us up to, to perfect our character, to be more like him. And to, and to know it through experience, not just know it, but live it. The training of the Lord is very hands-on. He wants to make sure it's inside of you. Right? So look at this. Hard does not equal, that's what that symbol is, does not equal evil. Um. And I want to, let's, let's talk about the spirit. I want to clarify a bit more too, because let, let's talk about like kind of spiritual world stuff, right? Because I, I don't want you guys to think that I'm, I don't negate that there is an enemy. I don't negate that there is a spiritual realm of like angels and demons and darkness and whatever. And like crazy stuff happens, man. I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm no expert in the spirit realm by any means. But I have interacted with it. I mean, hello, I'm a worship leader. Like, come on. Um, so I, I love it. I do love this, the spirit. I love this dimension of realness that we can sense and are, that's a part of our makeup, but yet isn't like um, always so physical, right? That, that it's like this, this higher dimension, right? And um and I, but I do think again, I just want to kind of, I'm leaning in one side, but I just want to clarify that I'm not like negating the other side of the spirit world. If we use that language to define it, if we were going to look at it linearly, um, because it's not linear, but we're using simple terms for, for my sake. <laughs> um, but like, so sometimes like we know things like deliverance ministries, right? Where you're like, literally casting out demons. Jesus even told us the great commission, go out into all the world, you know, raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the sick. And like, you know, we're, we're told to, there's, there's this world, right? This realm. And, um, you know, there's supernatural encounters. There's altar calls with like inner healing, not just talking about physical stuff. Again, I'm talking more of kind of like this unseen kind of realm, and these things are, are are all good, like deliverance ministry, all of that stuff. These are good. These are the true healings are happening. But I do wonder if sometimes we tend to give credit to the devil, what is actually God refining and growing us, right? I'm guilty of that. I know. A few times, be like, get up, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> It's like, oh, maybe it's just the Lord refining this frustration that I need to deal with and face. <laughs> oh, he's so kind. Um, so, okay, yeah. So you guys, do you guys hear the difference I'm kind of making? I'm not specifically talking about like real legitimate spiritual oppression. Like that's a whole, that's another thing. That's like a, that happens, right? I'm just talking about hard things that we sometimes can tend to throw in that category because it's hard to try and deal with. Right. 
because we'd rather have God come in like a surgeon and cut out that part of us instead of heal and restore and make healthy. Because it seems quicker to just, just cut it off, God. You're like, Shaba, in Jesus' name, anger, go. Meanwhile, oh no, this childhood part of me is like shoved down and gone, and I don't know how to connect to like having serenity and peace and, and being present with my with like people because I'm just numb. You guys ever get to that place where you just start feeling numb because of Yeah. It's a real it's a real process that can happen. If we think that we can just cut off these parts of ourselves, sooner or later there's gonna be nothing left of you. And you're just gonna be a shell. And that's not who you are. You're not meant to be a shell. You have so much to offer. You have so much inside of you that is that is lovely and beautiful and worthwhile, even the hard emotions, even the hard stuff. And I would even argue that's part of the color of your story that doesn't scare God away, that he, in fact, like, is totally good with and wants to heal and restore. Make new. Because how many of you guys have gone through something hard and, and come out the other side stronger than before? Encourage them before and just have that better character process. Like your character, you feel like your character's been developed. The closer you feel like, yeah, you just are, you got, you made it on the other side. Oh, what was my point? I was talking about cutting parts away from us. Oh, yes. Okay. So you made it on the other side. And then what do you know? A friend of yours is going through a very similar situation that you just walked through. Now, what do you have to offer? You have something to offer them. You have, you carry that tangible hope to know, oh, I got that diagnosis too. But you know what? I'm on the other side of it. And God was with me every step of the way. It wasn't easy. There were scary moments, man. And I doubted God for a while. But I'm on the other side of it. And he was with me. And what if that, and then that person is encouraged to know, okay, I can do this, right? Man, it's a beautiful thing how God uses every part of our story. Not just for us, but for each other, too. That's a big part of it, too, you guys. Because we're all doing this. We're all doing these hard things together, right? <laughs> all right. Where are we at? Okay, 1130. Oh, my goodness. It is so weird how it's like a time warp up here. Do you guys feel that? Or are you guys like counting down the minutes. No, I'm sure. Don't, don't say anything. That's fine. I'm just like, I'm just picking at you. Um, okay. So, oh, okay. This is something I want to say kind of related to inner healing and deliverance and all of that. Uh, we have an incredible Sozo ministry here. Yeah. Shout out to Marge who oversees that. I love our team, everybody that's on it. Now, Sozo is, it, I think part of why Sozo is such an effective tool is because now Sozo happens in like a session, right? So, and those sessions can go for a few hours, <laughs> right? And, but th- they're not Holy Spirit. They are, the session is a session. It's a second time, and then you leave the session, but you still have Holy Spirit with you, right? Now, why I think Sozo is so effective is because in that session, they point you to Jesus. They point you to Holy Spirit. They have you recognize 
the God in you that's already there, that's healing you and wants to make you whole. So Sozo, I kind of think of it as like, it gives light and clears the path for restoration, but you still have to walk down it. Am I right, Marge? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Anyone in ministry, you know this, right? People that you pray for or whatever, it's like God can use you in a miraculous way. And in a moment, someone can get restored and, and healed, right? But there is still this journey often, whether it's in keeping that healing and like just just being affirmed in it. Or if it is just like a, a prayer was one moment of like of deliverance and healing. And then it, and then it's like this walked out journey. Right. And it's important to know that these, these are tools and, and people, we can go to one another for prayer and supernatural encounters happen and they can supercharge us for restoration, but let it always point you to Jesus. Let it always point you to the Holy spirit that already dwells inside of you because again, he is with you and walking it out. So it's okay if, uh, you know, you go to a sozo and, you know, you, you like are able to forgive these things that you didn't even remember or that you like thought you could never see a way out because it was so painful. The forgiveness happens and there's, and there's like, oh my gosh, it's so powerful. But then you leave the session and you feel new and, there, and there's goodness there, but you got to still, now you got to journey down that road of restoration with God. So. I love ministry. I love these tools. And I mean, hey, I, that's, I, I love being in ministry. I love being able to point people to Jesus. So let it always be that. Let those things, don't become dependent on those tools is what I'm kind of trying to get at. It's like, don't think that you need a sozo every month for the rest of your life in order to survive. Don't be addicted to sozo. It's okay I say that, right, Marge? You don't want people addicted <laughs> We don't allow that. Marge is already on it. She's like, we just don't allow it. It's like, wow, good way to go. <laughs> because it's not, that's not the point. The point is, is knowing that, that empowerment to know that you have Holy Spirit with you. And he's the one that will walk with you every step of the way in that journey of restoration. Um, all right. Let's do this next slide. Let's look at Joseph. Okay. Joseph, man. What a character, huh? So Joseph in, uh, in Genesis, Joseph in the Bible, he is one of Jacob's 12 sons, 12 tribes, because Jacob becomes Israel, 12 tribes of Israel, right? Am I tracking? Sorry, pulling that from, woo, Bible class back in the day. Um, but Joseph's story is, is pretty unique. So he has the, his, well, at the time, I think it was 10 brothers, right? Because uh, the youngest wasn't, Benjamin wasn't born yet. Um, but he, he is somewhat, he had the coat of many colors. You guys know Joseph, right? Who doesn't, who doesn't know the story of Joseph? The coat of many colors sold into slavery, uh, then interprets Pharaoh's dream and like saves the nation. That's like a real big snapshot. And we're going to kind of walk through it in a snapshot way anyways. But I just want to talk about the hard things that Joseph walked through, right? Cause he is someone who's known for like going through a trial and, and like still trusting God. Okay. So Joseph, as a kid, uh, growing up, he was totally bullied by his brothers. Like 
they just didn't like him because he they felt like he was the favorite, which it kind of sounds like he was the favorite, which is kind of annoying. But whatever, you know, there's redemption for good fathers later on. But the New Testament fathers are a little bit questionable sometimes. <laughs> but also but also good too. Anyways, we're all people, right? We're, we're all processing. Yes, raw people. Yes, real raw people and process. And also like prehistoric timing. Humanity was at a totally different level sociologically. So, I mean, gosh, I think back then they were still doing like child sacrifices, like to change, to make it rain. Crazy stuff, right? So, keep that in mind too. So, anyways, Joseph's definitely bullied by his brothers, by those that he's supposed to be closest to. So, bullying, awful. Then he was betrayed by them and sold into slavery. Now, he lost, in, in the act of him being sold into slavery, he immediately lost his identity. He was not a son anymore. He lost any privilege he had. He lost any, any entitlement to whatever his father had for him gone. And he became property. He became a slave. Less than human. Go from being the favorite son to being less than human. Then, Joseph, amazingly works does great as a slave he works his way up he gains favor the hand of god is on him he's doing his work he's being faithful he's he still knows god's with him and you know potiphar who he was owned by uh promotes him and you know sooner or later then joseph becomes potiphar's right hand man and um he's got his right hand man back yeah okay um so, <laughs> I was like oh right hand man um Oh, yeah, that's from Hamilton. You guys know that? My, my daughter was, like, obsessed with that. Uh, it's fun. It's amazing. Uh, okay, so he becomes, Joseph becomes Potter's right-hand man, and then he gets wrongly accused of a crime by Potiphar's wife because she wanted him, and he was like, nah, I'm not going to betray my friend, my boss, you know? And, but she didn't say that she couldn't stand the rejection and she's like you gotta jail this guy so potiphar unfortunately has to like put joseph in jail so now he's a prisoner he's wrongfully accused of a crime which how many of you guys are like into true crime series do you guys watch any like my husband's like super into it I'm like a little scared of it, so I like it's like that's too real. <laughs> um, you know, like po- what's the popular podcast is uh, Serial or Making a Murderer was a that came out like in 2015. No, okay, that's okay. I do not advocate this stuff. I'm not trying to advocate. <laughs> but if you are interested in it, sometimes there's like cases where people are like wrongfully accused of crimes, and like when I was watching now Making a Murderer, which was one of the popular ones, came out like ugh, ten years, almost ten years ago. It was amazing how they filmed the documentary to make you, like, every episode you kind of, like, switch sides of, like, he did it, he didn't do it, he did it, he didn't do it. You know, it was super confusing. But in any case, that injustice feeling of, like, whoa, when someone's wrongfully accused of a crime, it just feels like they're helpless, completely helpless, and it feels so wrong. So, ugh, Joseph is wrongfully accused, one of the, like, golden guys ever. And he has to go to jail. So he goes to jail. And then in jail, he meets another fellow prisoner who used to be the cupbearer of Pharaoh. And he gets released. And Joseph is like, remember me. And then he stays in jail for two more or two years. I don't know. It says two years. 
And he has to wait. He has to wait and trust in the memory of a former prisoner to, to remember his name and his ability to interpret dreams. And then, thank God, it's almost like there's this other person in the story. There is. It's God. Uh, you know, Pharaoh, God gives Pharaoh a dream that's warning him about this famine that's coming. And then the cupbearer remembers Joseph can interpret dreams. And then, woohoo, there's redemption. You know, Joseph's taken out of prison and he interprets the dream. And then they prep for the for the years of famine. And Joseph is like second to Pharaoh, I think, like super powerful, super trusted. And he ends up being able not only to save a nation, but to save his family who betrayed him in the first place. What a story of redemption, right? Yeah, it is, but it's hard. And he volunteers to live out Joseph's life. Hand way down. Let's read. I do want to read, though, the end of this part of the end of the story here in uh, Genesis 30. No, Genesis 50. Oops, starting in verse 15. Genesis 50, verse 15. So when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and might actually repay us for the evil which we had did to him all those years ago. So then they sent a messenger to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive your trespassers, the trespasses of your brothers and their sins for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespasses of the servant of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. So look, they're trying, they're still trying to repay for the sin of, for their, their wrongs they did to their brother. And then this is what um, Joseph said to them. Do not be afraid for I am in the place for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And and he confronted he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. What a guy, man, huh? What a guy, Joseph. He, I don't, I think part of what enabled Joseph to trust God so, like, so well through it all. I mean, granted, we don't hear all the color of the story. I'm sure there was moments where Joseph, like, might have lost it or or doubted God's favor, especially when he, like, was a slave you know, worked hard to get like up the ranks and then bam, back down again. And then it's like, geez, how many times does he do this roller coaster? Um, but he trusted God and then God was with him and blessed the work of his hands, no matter where he was in life. And it bore witness to the faithfulness of God to those around him. Those around him couldn't ignore the, the goodness of God on him. I think Joseph, he had to have had a really soft heart, a really soft heart towards the Lord. Because, oh, oh, this is something I want to say, too, from Joseph's story. Um, All of the hard things that happen, right? It's in no way an indicator of his success 
or lack of trust in God, right? His, when hard things happened, like stolen slavery, Camp Potiphar's like right hand, and then he was jailed. That friction, that hard thing didn't define his trust in God. It didn't define his success in trusting God, his faithfulness, his track record in trusting God. He was trusting God the whole time, but things happened, right? So him, some of us can judge sometimes like, oh, wow, look, that hard thing is happening. I wonder if uh, they disappointed God or whatever. I don't know. That feels like so old. Do we even think that way anymore? Please, no. I don't. We don't. We don't think like that. You guys don't think like that. That's such an old, weird religious thought. Um, but in any case, in ourselves, I think we could do this to ourselves. That's the kicker there. Is we'll sometimes think, oh, I must have disappointed God because this thing didn't work out and I have to start again. It's like, hmm, I don't think our track record of achievements and and these ups and downs in life are the, the litmus test for our trust in our relationship with God. I think it's something a lot bigger. It's, uh, that's another discussion, though. But in any case, stuff happens, right? Or as Benny Johnson says, shift happens. You know, happens to all of us. Um, the hope, though, is that when hard things happen, we know that we're not alone. Um, all right, let's go. Wait, no. Not, oh, yeah, sure. We could do that. Okay, because I'm going to kind of shift gears here and kind of mm, start trying to land this thing a bit. Um, but there's this fad in, in kind of parenting where um, the, there's like this term, or have you guys ever heard of this term grit? Having grit? It's, it's, it's choosing to hang on when you desperately want to let go. It's that stick to itness. It's that um, discipline that you, that you have to follow through and to not give up and to actually, uh, yeah, get through things. And, uh, and in parenting, sorry, this is where I was relaying it. Um, there's like this fad now to do, to raise gritty kids, right? Have you heard of this, Katie? In teaching? Yeah, in teaching. Stick with itness, um, and it's a fad because I think there was this pendulum swing in parenting styles. I don't know if you guys kind of follow this at all, or if you can notice it with like your own kids when you were raising your kids, and then if you're a grandparent, you kind of noticed how your kids raise their kids differently. Any grandparents that are realizing? <laughs> and and sometimes those grandparents are like, "What back in my day? No was no." <laughs> Well, there is this, like, it seems to be this generational pendulum swing, right? Because that always happens. It seems to be with, like, societal change, like, progression. We transcend and include. That's that's the hope. But anyways, it's like, you know, boomer time. It was like, kids are to be seen and not heard, right? You guys, do any boomers remember growing up with that? Like, kids were very separate from the parents. It was just kind of like nothing. And then there was kind of like, that kind of morphed into this, disciplinary kind of more traditional way of parenting where there's a lot of like rules and hard lines and discipline was like more emphasized, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child kind of thing. No. Okay. And then it was kind of like the next generation swung and was like helicopter parenting, like child led parenting where it's like, we just let our kids make the decision. (laughs) And we just follow as parents or whatever. Or like the helicopter parenting, you guys hear that term? 
where it's just like parents are watching their kids every move and and all that and like can either make all the choices for them or there's also the other side where it's like your kids make all the choices and you kind of follow and just try and guide them anyways there's lots of methods to parenting uh that's out there nowadays but there's this trend now with raising gritty kids because i think the pendulum swung a little bit too soft to like kid-led parenting (laughs) and now it's like wait we gotta reel and have some boundaries here kids like boundaries right and also this ability to kind of stick stick to stick with things and i've noticed that with my kids it's almost like kids have this natural get grit they have this already kids want to they're very adventurous they have like no fear right when they're little and and you know it's important you know i think it's good parenting to let your kid know like don't run into the middle of the road because you could get hurt by a car so you know you want to give them a little fear to like not run into the road right (laughs) Fear can be a pretty good motivator or whatever. You can kind of like flip it and be like, I love you too much to get hurt. Don't go there. Okay. Um, but anyways, there's the, the kids have this like adventureness and just no fear. And, and then also when it comes to, I've had, when it comes to like learning something new, like they want to do it. They want to do it themselves. And for, I, I caught myself, I catch myself a lot like wanting to help them wanting to do it for them you you guys want to do that like we want to do it for our kids because it's we know how to do it it's like so normal like i remember i was doing a puzzle with june and like she's three right and so we're trying to do this puzzle and i was getting frustrated with her that she like how can you not see this piece like it's the same picture like (laughs) i didn't say that to her but i was like it's right there in my head and I was like, what am I doing? Like, she's three. And it's just funny how we can sometimes think we're helping our kids by getting it done for them when really they need to do it themselves and have that grit. And they want to do it themselves and practice. And Nova's trying to learn to ride her bike without training wheels right now. And she is all over it doing it herself. She doesn't want me to hold the back of the wheel to balance her so she can at least get the feel of putting her feet on the pedals. No, she's got to do it herself. And it's like, you know what? Go, girl. You got this. I'm here. If you fall, it's going to be okay. And she's getting it. And it's like this this internal, natural grit that our, I think we're born with. And we sometimes, uh, through life or whatever, can kind of forget. But also, on a, with that, I think there's a level where we expect God to be that parent that intervenes and helps us through the hard things and rescues us. Instead of having us figure out how to ride the bike on our own so that we have that confidence and character building and skill that we truly developed, right? Oh, boy. Grit's grit's good. It gives pain a purpose. When you know there's a purpose, it helps you get through it. Like with childbirth, it's hard, yeah? But knowing that you're going to have a child at the end of it is I'll do it again. Not saying I'm doing it again. No, I'm not. I don't, I'm sorry. No, I don't. I'm good. I'm (laughs) I'm not. I know. All right. At least I know. Okay. uh, So anyways, pain is a lot easier to withstand if we have or hard things when we know there's a purpose and scripture reminds us so much that not only is God with us in the, in, in the process of the pain, but he is, there's something good on the other end of it, that it's not in vain. In due time, we will reap 
in due time, we will reap if we don't lose heart. Keep at it. Keep at it. Be of good courage and know that hard things are going to happen. Right? We know this. If I, if I have to be the first one to break it to you, hard things are going to happen. But we have one who is always with us, who holds the universe all together and yet holds our hearts as we walk through all of the things. Um, this last slide I want to show you guys. This is called Kintsugai. Kintsugai is the Japanese art of pottery repair. By mending breakage with liquid gold to highlight the repair as part of the history of an object rather than trying to disguise it. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what God does. He takes all the broken, fractured pieces, all the hard things that caused us to crack and to hurt and to have a hole. He gathers it up. And he pours that liquid gold, that liquid love. And he makes it more beautiful than before. I think this is such a beautiful picture of what, of who our God is. The ministry of Jesus in Isaiah 61.3. You know, I'm going to read that because it's just too good to not. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of, of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then I just want to encourage you guys with this last scripture as well from Ecclesiastes 3, 1, 8. One of my favorite passages. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them up. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate a time of war, and a time of peace. It's very strong language, right? All the ups and downs. All the crazy things in life. The textures of who we are. It's supposed to be. And you are not alone in it. And if you're going through something hard right now, I just want to encourage you that you can do it. (laughs) You've done it before. Others have done it before, and you'll do it. 
You can make it through. You're not alone. Not only is your God with you, but we're with you. It is such a gift to get to hold one another up in different seasons of life, right? To celebrate with them, but also to be able to mourn with them. And God is present in both. Yeah? You guys know this so well. <laughs> Let me just close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you so much for the ministry of your heart to take care of us so well. You pick up all the pieces and you put them back together. You defend our hearts. You make us better than before. You refine us to ensure that our lives are worthy. Our lives are are making a difference and doing what matters, God. The hard things, oof, they're a good indicator that you are working good things in us. So let us embrace them. Let us get gritty, God. I pray for uh, an increase of grit ability in us, God, to, to know that we can do this. We're going to stick it out because our God is with us and he's faithful. And even when we can't see the end in sight, God, we can trust that you are going to come through and it's going to be better than before. That's just who you are. You make things better than before. How amazing and wonderful of a God you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.